You are listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.com. Today, Lead Pastor Eugene Smith will continue with our series called 50 Days to Fitness. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Today, we'll be learning how to take that real rest with Christ. Our scripture text comes from Matthew chapter 11, starting at verse 28. Today's message is entitled, Sleeping Beauty. This morning, we're going to talk about sleep. Everyone say sleep. Now, the number one cause of sleep deprivation is exactly what you saw right there. 25% of couples in America sleep in separate rooms because of that right there that you just saw. Now, in my family, that never happens, of course. But in some families, I understand, sleep deprivation takes place. So there's all kinds of things in our lives that potentially rob us of our sleep. Rob us of our sleep. Now, we're going to talk about the natural. If you want to discover more about, if you have a problem with insomnia, a problem going to sleep, we'll talk a little bit about it today. But I'm going to talk about more than sleep today. I'm going to talk about really discovering God's place of rest for you. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31, Jeremiah chapter 31, we're going to begin with verse number 23. Jeremiah beginning with verse number 23. And the Bible says, thus says the Lord of hosts. Who says it? Oh, come on. He's still working on finding it back there. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. They shall again use this speech in the land of Judah and in its cities. When I bring back their captivity. The Lord bless you. Everyone say, the Lord bless you. The heart of God was to do good for his people. Ancient Israel, the Jewish people, had been called by God. They'd received a promise, a covenant through their father Abraham. And Abraham, God spoke to him. Actually, God spoke to him in a dream while he was sleeping and said, you're going to become the father of many nations. And you and your seed are going to be blessed and be a blessing to the whole world. That's exactly what God told him. So God now speaking to him. You got the New King James. Could you put that up? I'm reading on the New King James. And verse number 25. For I have satiated. Everyone say satiated. I never use that word. I use saturated. NIV uses the word saturated. The weary soul. And I have replenished every sorrowful soul. See, God's desire for you is to replenish you. Is to restore you. Now look what he says here in verse number 26. After this, I awoke and looked around and behold, my sleep was sweet. My sleep was sweet. Jeremiah lived in a generation when people were not doing things right. As a matter of fact, they were going their own way. They had the promises of God. They had the plan of God. They had the purposes of God, but they weren't doing it. They were doing life their own way, and it caused lots of problems. And so God warns them. He says, listen, guys, if you don't do it my way, if you don't do how I tell you to do it, you're just setting yourself up. You have a real life devourer. You have a real life destroyer. His name is Satan. He's the devil. He hates you. And the way that I'm telling you to live will protect you, will protect you and keep you and allow you to live an abundant life. So we're on this journey of 50 days of fitness. And as I begin to think about this, I begin to think, wow, so many times. So I don't know about you guys, but I've had times where I couldn't get to sleep. Anybody have a time where you couldn't get to sleep before? You had a time where you couldn't fall asleep, and you're laying there in bed, and 
you're looking at the clock and you're just kind of watching the clock tick, 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 tick. And, and you open your eyes again and it's, you know, five minutes later. You think, man, I've been here for an hour. You've been there for like five minutes. And you can't get to sleep. And sometimes you get up, you move around. Well, there's lots of things that will rob you of your sleep. The number one cause of robbing of sleep is someone making too much noise in your room. But another cause of sleep, if you're a, another cause of, uh, of sleep deprivation in your life is if you're a parent, you have little kids, and you're on a completely different time schedule. Your kids, they go to school, your children go to school, and maybe they come home and take a nap. Or like the preschool over here, our little preschool kids, they come here, and every day they get to take a nap. There have been many times when I've watched them over there taking a nap, I thought, wow, I wish that was me right now. I'd like to be taking a nap right now. Our preschool teachers over there are masters at putting kids to sleep. I mean, they are like genuine masters. We have one class over there. It's 15 kids in the room, one teacher. And I've walked in there, and every single kid is asleep. 15. How do you get 15 kids to go to sleep? She's a pro. I mean, she'll rub their little heads and got the music real soft, little soft string music and lights down low. And those kids are out. And she makes sure they're out. I don't know how she does it, but I don't know. She puts something in their milk or their water. But, man, those kids are out. Well, there's something about sleep, and there's something that, about when we lose our sleep that causes lots of problems. There's lots of issues. So, you know, uh, every once in a while, frequently, I'll, I'll have an allergy problem. I don't like to take medication because it always whacks me out. But I take these, uh, these little white pills, and on the end of them, they have a D. So I'll take, like the doctor prescribes Allegra D, or I'll go to Walmart and buy the little box that's not a prescription any long called Claritin D. And there's something about that D. When I, when that little D in that pill, whenever I take that, man, it just, and so I'll be in there in bed, and my mind will just be racing, and, and, and there's lots of people that are on all kinds of medication for high blood pressure, for whatever, and man, it just messes up their sleep. People eat too much before they go to sleep, or you drink a great big glass of sweet tea before you, before you go to bed, and you're like, wondering, man, doggone, I can't go to sleep tonight. Well, you can't go to sleep because you got all this caffeine flowing through your veins and, and it's keeping you awake. There's all kinds of things that rob us and keep us from our sleep. But, but the reality is when we don't get proper sleep, it has the potential to cause lots of diseases, lots of, lots of problems. If you have an extended period of time where you don't sleep, your body doesn't rejuvenate and doesn't restore the way that it's supposed to. And so what happens, people get high blood pressure. As a matter of fact, most heart attacks happen in the morning. Most heart attacks happen in the morning because people are sleep-deprived and their hearts aren't working correctly. So people have heart attacks. They get stroke, depression, mental, mental impairment. Now, some of you are already are mentally impaired, but, but sometimes it's because we don't get enough sleep. I remember years ago, I was driving from Portland. I told somebody that I, I drove from Portland to my hometown in Tucson, Arizona, and I left school, and my little sister was with me. Her name was Simone, and she was with me, and uh, I had just left my soon-to-be bride. Her name was Laura Jean Lloyd. And I left Laura Lloyd. We had stayed up talking all night. And so at about 6 o'clock in the morning, I load up, you know, two thermoses full of coffee. I take off down the road. And I get to just outside of Sacramento on, on I-5, and I'm driving down the road. And like, like, I'm doing this on the road. You know what I'm talking about? I got the head out the window. I got the AC blowing on me. I'm just trying to stay awake. And I'm weaving all over. And I'm trying to keep it straight, but the harder I try to keep it straight, the more I'm weaving. All of a sudden, I look in the rearview mirror, and you know who's behind me, and I, oh, he's going to pull me over, and guess what? He pulls me over. So, you know, he assumes that I've been what? I've been drinking. And I said, well, officer, I just, 
I, I left Portland, the, you know, this morning or wherever it was, and I'd just been drinking a lot of coffee. He says, all right, drive a little farther. There's a hotel through, pull over and get some sleep. Well, I needed some sleep. I was mentally impaired. Physically, I wasn't, my motor skills weren't working well enough. And you know, the reality is if you are sleep deprived, your efficiency level is 32% less. They've done all these tests. It's a fact. And the, one of the number one causes of loss in the workplace is people being tired. Now, in an environment like today, where jobs are scarce, people are working hard, if I was you, I'd be really mentally prepared when I go to work. Because there's a lot of people looking for your job. And employers know that. So being mentally sharp and strategic and having yourself taken care of is very, very important. But it causes all kinds of challenges. You become irritable, e easily angered. Now, this is Spiritual Sunday, right? This is Spiritual Sunday. We come to church, hey, Pastor, we didn't want to come here and learn about sleep. You know, we, we want to hear something spiritual. Now, we're going to bring a spiritual tie in here. Because what happens when you lack sleep, you don't have enough rest in your body, you really don't have the strength to do the mission. You don't have to do the mission that Christ has called you to. And everyone here has a mission. Everyone here has a mission from God, a plan from God. We use the word purpose a lot here. We have a saying that we've done this for years here at City Church, but I want you to hear this again today. We've changed it from purpose to mission because sometimes purpose, we hear something so much, it doesn't even resonate with us. But a mission is a goal. It's an aim. It's, a, it's a, something that we are working towards, something that we are on. I have a mission. Say it with me. I have a mission. My mission is to win souls. I best fulfill my mission. When I'm with other Christians, I will never be satisfied until I'm fulfilling my mission. I have no promise of tomorrow. Therefore, I will live fully for Christ today. See, God has a mission for your life. He has a plan for you. Now, this second pillar of health is so important. Because this pillar enables your body to recreate. Your physical body to recreate. But it also enables your mind to be renewed. It enables, enables your mind, when you wake up after you've had a good night's sleep, yesterday morning, I got, you know, the prescribed. Doc here, this Doc Colbert says, you're supposed to sleep between seven and nine hours a day. And I read a report at USA Today this week that said between seven and a half and eight and a half hours is the optimum. And everyone needs a little bit of a different amount of sleep. But I had eight and, a half hour, eight and a half hours sleep from Friday to Saturday, and I woke up refreshed. I was ready to roll. I mean, the, the world was beautiful. I was happy. I woke up, and remember yesterday, it was really nice. I mean, I walked outside, and you got that Florida tropical breeze, and you're thanking God you don't live in North Dakota. Amen? Come on. I mean, nobody lives in North Dakota. Nobody. I mean, you can't find... You could drive 50 miles on a road in North Dakota, and you wouldn't hit a car. I mean, just, nobody lives there. I mean, there's a couple of people. You know, if you want work right now, you just move to North Dakota. Pff, they got all kinds of work. They got almost zero unemployment in North Dakota because nobody lives there. <laughs> now, we, now we live in paradise, at least this time of year. We know we have two seasons here, heaven and we're going to move on from there. Amen. But if you, I want you to see, I want you to see the first mention, the first mention of sleep in the Bible. First mention of, this, of sleep in the Bible. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 21. In Genesis chapter 2, God, God does something, and it's a really cool thing. Look what happens here. Genesis chapter 2, 
verse number 21. And the Bible says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. Now look what God does. Who does this? God. God causes Adam to go asleep. Now, look what happens here. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in his place. Now, man, I don't know about you, but I don't know if I want to trust sleeping around God, you know? First surgery right here, man. I mean, God takes a rib out of his, uh, takes a rib out of his side, and he closes them back up. But something really cool happens here in verse number 22. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. He made it into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Now, that's pretty cool. Come on. Adam says, God, anytime you want to take a rib out of my side, go ahead. Come on. God gave him a great gift. That ought to just, like all the men, ought to be, yeah, come on. I'm thrilled that God made women. Come on, I'm thrilled. It's my better half, my significant other, the one I've committed to love all my life. You see, God made woman. He did a creative act. Sleep rejuvenates your physical body and enables your mind to be restored so that your spirit can live strong. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. I've come to give you life. Now, God does have a plan. We're going to talk about that in just a moment, but I came across an article in the USA Today. And this guy's name is Irv Gordon. Irv Gordon drives a 1966 Volvo P1800. He bought it in 1966. He's been driving this car for 44 years. He paid $4,800 for it in 1966. And you know, that's really cool. A lot of people have old cars. But the incredible thing, the thing that's put this guy in the Guinness Book of World Records, is that this car has 2.7 million miles. More miles one guy has ever put on a car. You know what that equals? 195 miles a day that he's average. 195. Now you think, well, that's no big deal. Truck drivers almost do that. You know, but the reality is this guy lives six miles from where he works. He's a public school teacher in upstate New York. So he drives six miles back and forth to work. So this guy's driving everywhere. He's made driving a professional hobby for him. And, you know, when he hit a million miles, he hit a million miles, Volvo came out through a great big party and dropped a set of keys in his hand and said, here you go. Thank you for being our poster boy for the Volvo. And he turned around and sold that car to his buddy. And then when he hit 2 million miles, they came through another great big party in upstate New York, brought all these people, and they threw a great big party, and they dropped another set of keys. He's driving that car. That car has over 400,000 miles on it. So this guy liked to drive, obviously. And, but as I thought about this guy, I was reading this article. that There are so many spiritual correlations so many spiritual correlations that this guy has learned by taking care, by being a good steward with his automobile. There's a couple of things that he mentioned in the article. The first thing that he said, he says, when you get your vehicle, you go to the glove compartment box and you read the what? You read the owner's manual. So you get the owner manuals out. It tells you how often to change the oil. tells you when to flush the fluids for your transmission, when to clear your brake line. tells you how often to change your brake pads. tells you all this kind of stuff. But most of us, nah, that's not what happens. We get in there, we put that key in, put our foot on the gas, whoop, whoop, and then we turn the radio on. First thing we do, turn the radio on. See how loud the radio can get. Whoop, 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 yeah, this is a great car. And we start driving down the road, we get a little noise. That just means, a little noise in your car means turn the radio up louder. Come on, right? The guy says, 
read the manual. If you want to keep your car driving for a long time, first thing you got to do is you got to know when to repair it. And then he says you got to be diligent. These are his words. Diligent maintenance can make a profound difference. Diligent maintenance. I mean, changing things at the right time. You know, changing the oil on time, changing the belts. He actually, this guy's so diligent that every time he fills up the car with gas, he checks all of his fluids, checks the air on his tires every single time. Well, this, listen, somebody's driven a car for 2.7 million miles. He's got a few things to teach us, isn't he? he he's going to at least teach us how to take care of a car. Well, the God of creation, the God of heaven and earth, the God who is eternal, everyone say eternal, has given you an instruction manual. He's told you how to live your life. He wants to help you. God is not here to hurt you. God is here to help you. He's your healer. Say, God's my healer. He heals you. Now, many times we get broken in body, we get busted up, and God is the healer. He loves to heal. But you know what is way better to do? It's way better to take care of yourself beforehand so that you can walk in health, divine health, I call it, and God's given a prescription for it. God's given a prescription for it so that later on down the road, we don't have to have those costly repairs. We don't have to have those extended stays in a place that we don't want to be. You know, we've all stayed in an extended stay hotel, but these are extended stay hospitals, and we don't like that. A lot of pain. I don't like needles, and I don't like doctors cutting on me. One time, a doctor's cut on me. He cut on my back, and the, you know, they kind of fill you full of Novocaine. You do all those in-house surgery things, and, and that dude, man, it was hurting. And I remember like, dude, what are you doing? He's back there. He goes, shut up, you baby. That's what the doctor said to me. I'm like, dude, man, you'd make that hurt anymore. I'm going to hit you. Let me show you what kind of baby I am here, man. Yeah, baby, flinging my arms in just a moment. I mean, it hurt. I don't like that. I don't like needles. I don't like that. I, don't, I mean, I'm 46 now, so I got to go to the doctor. And, you know, you have to. You just got to take care of yourself because I got a mission that I'm on. I got a plan that God has for my life. You see, maintaining the internal of your uh, of your vehicle is so important, but he also says, take care of your external. He says that. He says, you got to wash your car, you got to wax it, you got to do all those things, you know, and your car will last for a long time. He's got a little rust on it, lives upstate New York, salt on the road. Boy, immediately he washes that off, takes care of that vehicle. Here he is, 2.7 million miles later. You know how much money he saved? You know how much money he saved just on vehicles? Tons of money. Piles of money. Well, he made a choice. And then, you know, I'm sure after a while it became a game for him just to see how long it can go. I have an aunt. She's 92 years of age. My grandmother passed away at 93 and a half. My aunt, she's 92, and she's just, I mean, she's been really bright and really sharp, but like the last year, you know, they just, they get, you get old, man. You, everything starts to wear out. Your mind, you know, just happens. It's, but every time I call her, and I call her about once a month, I'll call her, and she'll say, she said, Junior, that's what they call me, Junior, Junior, how old was Sylvia when she passed? I see, she got a goal. Her goal is to beat my grandmother's age. I, I know it is. I know, man. She, every, I mean, because every time I call, Junior, how old was Sylvia when she passed? She's hanging on. She wants to live. No one wants to die. You see, God has given us a prescription for health, and rest is a huge part of it. We have all kinds of things that hinder us from getting rest, not just naturally, but also spiritually. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Hang with me. Are you with me still? I got 15 minutes and 46 seconds. Come on. Don't leave me here. Matthew chapter 11. We're going to read verse number 28. We're going to read it in the New King James. 
We're also going to read it in the message. We're going to read it in both. But listen to this. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now let's turn over. I want you to look at the message translation. I love this. Are you tired? Are you tired? Are you tired today? Are you tired? Tired of life? You see, these guys that was hanging around Jesus were really ticking them off. You know, God had a few commands, and they made them into thousands of rules. They forgot about the relationship. Jesus uh, was quoting Isaiah, and Isaiah said, listen, they have ears to hear, but they can't hear. Sometimes you hear something so much, you hear something so much that it just doesn't resonate with you any longer. She said, are you tired? Are you tired of just doing what you've always done? Are you wore out? Are you burned out on religion? Come on. Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the enforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Everyone say freely. Come on, everyone say freely. Freely. Everyone say lightly. Lightly. Oh, come to me. Now see, here's the challenge. Being burdened. Things weigh us down. Problems of life. All you that labor and are heavy laden. All you that are weary. All you that are wore out. You know, we all have problems. Sometimes we feel like this little baby. I got a picture of here I want you to see. Sometimes we feel like this baby. We're just tired. We're weary. We just want to go to sleep. We're like, ready? Oh, I'm done. Someone called me this week. They're talking. They got some challenges. And they said, I just want to pick up and move. I just want to leave. I just want to go and live someplace else and lay on the beach for a year. So I said, I said, well, what about the kids? Oh, well, oh, yeah, that's right. I got kids. What about the house payment? Oh, yeah, I got to do that too. And sometimes we feel stuck. We just feel stuck. We're kind of on this treadmill of life. We're, we're, we're burdened. We're just weighed down. And I've discovered the three primary reasons why I get really burdened. Three primary reasons. Number one is the burden of religion. I'm trying to do religious things. When I was a young preacher, and I, hopefully I haven't done it in a long time, when I was younger, I used to always call people to read their Bible, pray every day, and I'd challenge them. And I said, if you're not reading your Bible, you're going to go to hell. If you don't pray, you're not, you know, I really hang up, I'm not giving an altar call, people come to the altar. But what I found is that if there's not an internal desire for you to know God, no amount of prodding and pleading and pushing and poking by your pastor, you know, I can encourage you, and I can come alongside. But if it ain't internal, it ain't going to happen. You'll do it for a couple days, and then all of a sudden you'll put you, oh, yeah, I know I should read my Bible, but you'll, get up, you'll go back to the same routine, and it happens to people all the time. You see, what's happened to you is that you see a relationship with God, you see it as a ritual. You see it as something that's religion. This is what religious people do on Sunday. We do this on Sunday, or some people do it on Saturday night, or some people do it on Friday, or some people do it. So there's all kinds of religious people trying to get to God, trying to attain God's favor trying to, you know, all kinds of people, all over the whole globe, 
whole continent, I mean, not in America, but all over the world, people are trying to be religious. I mean, it's a fact. And we have wars because of religion. We got fights because of religion. We got houses divided because of religion. What's happened? There's no intimacy. There's no knowledge of God. There's no knowledge of the true God. The other thing is the burdens of life, just problems. And we all have them. Everyone, young and old, children have problems. Children's problems are generally their parents. <laughs> come on. And parents' problems are, come on, you can laugh every once in a while here. Children and parents' problems are usually their children. But we all got problems in life. Isaiah says it like this. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. Everyone faces the same things of the everyday bustle and hustle. Get up, go to work. I mean, we just go through this routine. And all of a sudden, we just find problems in life start to pile up. Too many bills. Not enough money. Relationship sideways. Boss isn't working out. I mean, you know, you start, start, you start naming them, and there's no temptation such as common man. In other words, the temptation to give up, to quit, it's to all of us. Glenn was telling me a while back something about, you know, being in ministry or somebody didn't want to, oh, somebody didn't want to do something in the church. I said, really? I said, you know what? There's a lot of times I don't feel like being a pastor. You think I always feel like doing this? I don't feel like doing this. But I made a choice. I'm going to serve God. And it's not based on my feeling. It's based on I have this relationship with God. I know the mission that he's called me to. I know the purpose of my life. Therefore, I show up every week. I don't have to show up. I could not show up next week. Now, I'm not going to do that because I understand my mission. I'm a free moral agent, guys. Hey, guys. Now, I know a lot of people didn't show up at church. I think it's City Church Vacation Day. I don't know if that was put on our calendar or not, but it seemed like a lot of people didn't show up today. That's all right. And everyone needs a break every once in a while. But I'm going to show up. I show up because I know my mission in life. The last thing that really keeps us all messed up is the burden of sin. This will wear you out more than anything else. This will wear you out more than anything else. I've heard people say stuff like this. Listen, we're going to take a little group quiz and see how you do this morning. I'm ready to throw in the... Oh, come on. I'm ready to throw in the... I'm at the end of my... I'm just a bundle of... I'm sure on that one. My life is falling. I'm at my wits. Put a fork in me. I'm... I feel like resigning from the human. All right. Have, have any of you ever said that? You can just kind of put your hand up like that. Come on. Have any of you ever said anything? Come on, we've all said those things. And if you haven't, you're a liar. And we'll give you an altar call in just a moment, and you can repent. There's a tremendous burden to trying to be religion, to be religious. When we become religious people, we become bound up with sin. It keeps us trapped. You see, the problem is we're trying to live by rules, and we can't remember them all. We can't remember all the rules. We can't keep them. Jesus was so angry at his generation because they'd made a relationship with God, a bunch of rules. And they made people all goofed up, got people all twisted up. No one could ever figure it out. No one could ever do it right. You see, every problem that you and I have today, every problem, every problem that has the potential to wear you out, God has a solution. He has a solution. Doctor, Dr. Jesus is in the house, and he's writing you a prescription. I'm just one of his nurses. I come alongside. I'm just, I'm one of his orderlies. I'm here to help. I'm helping to administer the prescription. But I want you to know, Dr. Jesus has a prescription for you. And it's found in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus said, come 
to me. Do you hear that this morning? Come to me. Come to me. He didn't say come to Buddha. He didn't say come to Muhammad. He didn't come to say Hare Krishna. He didn't say come to a church. He didn't say come to a Baptist church. He didn't say come to a, a, a Pentecostal church. He didn't say come to a, 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 a Catholic church. He didn't say come to evangelical free church. He didn't say come to a community church, a non-denominational independent church. He didn't say come to the first God of Holy Ghost filled, sanctified, a new church. He didn't say any of those things. He said, come to me. Come to Jesus. And we run everywhere else. We look to everything else, relationships. We look to religion. We look to money. We look to sex. We look to all these different kinds of things, hoping that's the solution. That's the key to unlock the abundant life. But there's only one solution. Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. Come on, give the Lord a great big hand clap. I mean, Jesus was really narrow-minded about this. Because he knew he came from heaven's glory. He came from heaven's glory. See, when you come to Jesus, you're coming to God. The concept of coming to Jesus is surrender. You are surrendering your problems. You're surrendering your burdens. You're surrendering your cares. You're surrendering your life to him. Now, is that easy? No. The concept is easy. The spiritual concept of surrendering, is that's understandable. To actually do it, walk, that's always the problem. You want to lose weight, you, under, you know what you need to do. You need to drink more water, you need to eat less food, you need to exercise, right, and get rest. You do four or five basic things. You stay on this journey for 50 days, you're going to lose weight. You do those basic things, it happens. You lower your caloric intake, you get yourself physically going, you know, we've got the little pedometers on here, and you walk around, you do your steps, and you're going to lose weight. You know what to do. But is it easy? Oh, come on, no. Oh, it ain't easy. Because it means choice. It means saying yes to some things and no to others. Yes to something. Yes to God. Yes to God's ways. Yes to God's presence. Yes to God's power. Yes to God's plan. But no to my ways. No to my thoughts. No to my thinking. No to the way that I'm living. And yes to His. Big difference, guys. Big difference. Jesus says, come to me. I created you. I wrote this instruction manual just for you. Do you know, do you know God has 11, uh, 3,000 commands? I'm sorry. God has 3,000 promises. 3,000 promises. 3,000 promises in this book for you. When Jesus was on the face of the earth, we have over 220 written, 220 written promises that he gave. And what's very interesting about the promises and the commands of Christ is everything Christ told people to do. Sometimes people's view of God is that he's ready just to pounce and mean. And, but 77% of the commands of Christ, 77% are spoken in the Greek. They're spoken, they call it in the imperative. The imperative mood in the Greek is positive. It's positive. You see, he's the great encourager. He's the great encourager. He's encouraging you. You can make it. 2010, I'm destined to win. My life could change. I don't have to keep doing the same things that I've always done. I can get out the insanity treadmill. I, I don't have to do that. I don't have to be weary and wore out. Jesus said, come to me. It's a positive command. 
with the promise. And the promise is in the affirmative. The affirmative is, I'll give you rest. Not just natural rest, spiritual rest. And spiritual rest produces peace, produces peace, produces joy, produces fulfillment, a sense of satisfaction. I'm right with God. I'm right with my fellow man. I'm living the life he's called me to live. See, that's what coming to Jesus is. That's what coming to Jesus is. And it's powerful. It's life-changing. And if you've had a life-changing encounter with Jesus, you know it. And what happens when you really have this encounter and you experience his rest, you've got to tell somebody. You've got to tell somebody. You've got to tell You just got to tell You can't keep you shut up. A couple years ago, a buddy of mine came from Canada. Now, I haven't bought a lotto ticket in my life. But when I was a uh, young man, I'd bought maybe a couple. But since November 17th, 1983, I haven't bought a lotto ticket. And uh, so this friend of mine comes down. He's a Christian. He hands me this. He's actually a pastor. He hands me this ticket. So I said, oh, come on, dude. I'm not, you know, come on. He said, no, oh, man. He said, I got that just for you for Christmas. Merry Christmas. So I get that lottery ticket out. And, and I'm like, oh, whatever, you know. Because you never win those things, right? One a trillion. You got a way better chance of being struck by lightning here in Florida than you got to win, you know, playing the lotto. So I'm scratching that sucker, and first, like, the first one is 500000 like, All right, cool, 500000 because I don't even know what they're supposed to say on there. The second one says, I start to scratch it, and I can see that five. I scratch the next zero. I'm starting to get pretty excited about this. I mean, yeah, that's pretty interesting. It's 50, right? No, there's another zero and another zero and another zero. It's 500000 Whoo, two out of three. I said, now, maybe. I mean, come on, God's just smiling on me. He knows City Church needs a new building. He's smiling on me today. And so I start scratching that third one. I see the five. I see the zero. I see another zero and another zero and another. It's 500,000. And folks, let me tell you, you couldn't shut me up. I was hollering, woo, yeah. Come on, we were having a Holy Ghost party all by ourselves right there in the car. And he starts howling. He just starts laughing. And uh, he, uh, he goes, read down at the bottom. And said, this is not a real lottery ticket, you know, yada, 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 yada. And I'm like, you turkey. And I throw that thing at him, you know. I want to tell somebody. I want to tell somebody. Now, listen, you probably wouldn't want to tell somebody if you actually won the lottery because, you know, everybody starts coming around and wants some of your money. But, but, you know, you're excited. You can't contain it. I've said this many times, but I've met several famous people in my lifetime. And I, I remember the first time, you know, I, I, I met uh, Larry King. And, man, I had told everybody. I went home, told my mom, called my friends. Hey, I met Larry King today. I met Sammy Davis Jr., told everybody. I met, you know, whoever was. I met a, a number of these guys, and, and I had to tell somebody, or I waited on this movie star or that person, and, and I had to tell somebody when Christ comes into your life, he's more famous, he's more powerful, he has more knowledge, more ability than any person on the planet, and he can change your life. His name is Jesus. He's the king of kings. But you got to come to him. Are you weary? Are you wore out? He says, listen, you got to work with me. You got to work with me. You got to walk with me. So I called you to be yoked with me. I called you to walk alongside of me. The biblical concept of yoke was two oxen working a field. They would have this little thing that would tie them together. And the way that they would do it is they would have big ox and little ox teamed together to plow the field. That's what they would do. Big ox, a big ox would, you know, plow the field, and little ox working right beside him. Now, if you took big ox out of the mix, 
and you just let little ox start to plow that field, burn out, kill himself, he literally die trying to plow that field. Couldn't do it. But you put big ox alongside of him, and all of a sudden the two of them team together. All things are possible. And that little ox, he gets through plowing his field, and guess what? He looks back and says, yeah, look what I did. Look what I accomplished. Look, look what happened. Look how we plowed that field. We made the impossible possible. And see, I want you to know today, Jesus is your big brother. Jesus is your king. He's your God. He's your Lord. He loves you. Thanks for listening to this message, Sleeping Beauty with lead pastor Eugene Smith. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlandocitychurch.com or call 407 321 9600.